Hey everybody, what's up? How's it going? How's your day? Are you feeling it? Are you happy? Have you moved today? I hope you have. But if not, here's a pretty amazing track that should get you moving. Let's listen to it. Anderson Pack. Y'all niggas got me hot. about that song when I paraglide. So high that I just won't come down, that I won't ever be able to get back down. I would love that. Hardest part of flying is coming down. So today on the podcast, I want to tell you about a trip I took to Morocco. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to read to you the article I wrote when I came back. And I haven't read this article in a long time, so I'm not exactly sure what's in it, but I'm sure it's going to stir up some memories. And once we're done with the article, then I'll tell you about what I'm feeling, thinking about Morocco. I'm planning on going back to Morocco in April of 2018. I will be guiding a paragliding trip there, and a paragliding slash adventure trip. We're going to go to the Canary Islands. We're going to go into the Sahara Desert with the Berbers. Uh, we're going to go to Chef Chouan where all the weed is growing and all the hash is made. We're going to do some really fun stuff. So stay tuned for more details on the April 2018 Morocco Canary Islands trip. Okay. So I titled this 
article meeting Morocco. When you go to Morocco, you learn that they don't call it Morocco, they call it Morocco. It's a beautiful country. Okay. Ugh, let me get this thing set up so I can actually read. Okay. One new voicemail. Yo, Ari, it's Chris Hoyt. I'm going to Morocco in a week to fly. Would love for you to come. Call me back. In a week? That's a long shot. But before I knew it, I was standing in a Moroccan customs line and Chris yelled my name from the airport lobby. We sarcastically flexed our biceps at each other and smiled. I passed customs, gave Chris a big hug, and we sat down at the airport cafe. We both had a coffee and a beer, bought a shitty sandwich, and used the Wi-Fi. I was feeling pretty unprepared after such short notice, so I figured it was a good idea to let the loving arms of civilization cradle us a moment longer before heading off into the unknown. We pushed our luggage outside to the rental steed, a Dacia Doker that was about to jog some hard miles with his new American jockeys. I insisted we do a symbolic burnout from the parking lot, but a good chirp sufficed. It was official. The soul-sucking airport travel was over, and we were set free on our dream journey through a wild and exotic country with our gliders in tow. Our goals were simple. Good flights, good times. We were heading south to Le Nid de Gil, the Eagle's Nest, a site known for consistent coastal soaring. We drove halfway that first afternoon and we arrived to Esoweta, a cool, old city on the Atlantic in the dark. We went to the Riyadh, a Moroccan hotel, to drop our bags. We were greeted by the night watchman, Hamid. We joked without words as he made us tea and smoked a cig. When we asked him about the famous Moroccan hashish, he laughed and gave a thumbs up. I persisted and persisted until he understood that I wanted him to get us some of the notorious Moroccan hash, like right now. I gave him 300 dirham, about 30 bucks, and he headed out on his bike while we went to dinner at a nice restaurant around the corner. The waiter was old, experienced, and wearing a suit. We were starving. Our first cold beers were like sweet angel's water. The food came out quickly, and the moment that first piece of chicken touched my tongue, I nearly died. I had never tasted anything like it. It was like a peanut butter curry cream sauce that I couldn't for the life of me identify all the flavors of. We drank more beers. Couscous came next. Four kinds of meat and endless veggies. Our attentive waiter never let the beers be empty. We were half drunk and stuffed full. But even more so, we were on a cloud of relief. Before my trip, I was inundated with opinions and other people's experiences. Is Morocco safe, they asked. Friends and families sent me links to travel blogs, some containing beautiful scenery and other scary travel nightmares. I blew them off, but the remnants of warning still lived in a small corner of my brain. At dinner that night... All our ignored travel advisories and concerned warnings became completely bullshit. 
we realize that what we assumed to be a rugged backcountry tour of a third world country was actually about to be the most relaxed and catered trip of our lives. When we got back to dinner, Hamid had gotten us the hash. It looked nice and golden. We sat down to roll one up because, well, it was literally April 20th. We lit the spliff and our heads spun from the tobacco. We laughed and laughed with Hamid. No words, just silly physical jokes and pretending to be more intoxicated than we were. We woke up, we woke up to breakfast being served to us on the rooftop terrace. Croissants, almond butter, coffee, juice, tea, omelets, rolls, olives, dates, melon. We headed out and cruised through the Medina. The Medina is the old walled part of the city and the souk, which is the traditional marketplace. We met Abdul, the, the medicine man, Muhammad, the tailor, and Yosef, the jeweler. The smells of cumin and saffron, combined with the vivid colors and tall city walls, made us realize how transported we'd really been. We did our self-guided tour and sensed oncoming low-altitude sickness, so we, we got in the car and we drove south. We could make it to Le Nid de Gil by sundown. The driving in Morocco is as interesting as the flying. Argan and olive oils are for sale roadside everywhere, and it's the good stuff. Big, slow semi-trucks, hand-painted with religious scripts and adorned with tassels, hog the shoulder. We pass through small traditional towns, they're only about a kilometer long, but as you enter, the roads widen to the equivalent of six lanes and the lines disappear. Vendors of every kind occupy much of the street and pedestrians cross like the fearless cogs of a wheel. You see mopeds with burka-clad women, young boys on ratty motorcycles, bikes with three people, donkeys pulling carts. So many donkeys pulling carts. Watermelons redder than you've ever imagined. The real Morocco is now at arm's reach. When we finally arrived at La Nid de Gil, the wind was blowing strong, although slightly cross. Wind socks were everywhere. No one was in the air, and the place seemed eerily vacant. Some workers were grading gravel in the parking lot. Others finished new concrete near the paraglide launch. I could tell the place had just undergone some major renovations and was looking really nice. We parked and walked towards the restaurant, still not seeing anyone but contractors. Once inside, the vacant look made sense. The soccer game was on. FC Barcelona versus Real Madrid. A dozen Moroccans sat at the bar in rapt attention. We were then greeted by Abder Rahman, a short, brown, 30-something with a legit afro and a smile kilometers wide. His English was hilariously functional, and his energy was warm, welcoming, and bright. As the game came to a finish, Abder showed us to our beautiful room, just behind the infinity pool, just behind launch. We unloaded our stuff, got into our harnesses, and had our first soaring session with the local crew. Chris and I launched 
and quickly realize that this is a magical place to fly. Launch sits atop a five kilometer long ridge, about a thousand feet high and 2K from the ocean, making it a soaring paradise. After so much travel and anticipation, lugging our gliders across the world, that first flight was a dream come true. I whooped and screamed. We acclimated to the site for 10 minutes before starting to fly together. I don't mean just launching and landing at similar times and locations. We're flying together. Wingtips collapse into one another, and I stand on top of his glider like, like it's a surfboard, and we're never too far. Sorry. I don't mean just launching and landing at similar times and locations. We're flying together. Wingtips collapse into one another. I stand on top of his glider like, like it's a surfboard, and we're never too far from one another to hear each other talk. It's a site that allows for a lot of airtime and even more playfulness. Abdair takes off, joins us, and shows us his skills. Abdair is one of the local Berbers who grew up in a small village atop the ridge just behind launch. When people fly, the villagers can look up and see them soaring from their homes, so it's only natural that a few villagers become interested and want to learn. But the barriers to entry for paragliding can be daunting for a Berber. Their currency is weak, and there isn't much work, and they don't often, but they don't often let obstacles stand between them and their goals. Moroccans do what they can to live. Abder and his flying is no different. Over the years, Lenid has, be, has been visited by some of the top pilots in the world, and these pilots have obvious influence on the way the Berbers fly. Fast and low and huge dynamic maneuvers on tiny, ragged acrogliders without reserves. Abder's 17-meter F-gravity was gifted to him and is said to be Felix Rodriguez's old glider, but who knows? It has holes all over it. Over the years, Abder has honed his flying to what he sees in his European acro guests. Perfect kiting control in the constant high wind and top landing skills that let him slide his feet along the edge of the infinity pool. His familiarity, his familiarity with the sight allows him to take five-minute flying breaks. One minute putting on his harness and launching, three minutes swooping the rocks in the restaurant to a perfect landing, and another minute to put away his gear. All while, he waits on the guest sitting at the bar, and all with a cigarette clutched between his lips. It's a type of flying I'd never seen. Instant access and constantly flyable conditions. We ended up spending five nights and six days there, but I think I could have stayed there forever. The room comes with breakfast and dinner, and lunch is just a request away. Every morning, we would wake up and head into the restaurant where they had set the table for our breakfast. Espresso first, an egg tagine with bread and olives, then it's straight into the sky. Usually in the morning, the air is moist and the breeze pushes the salty air up to dew point only a few hundred feet over launch. I made a morning habit of pushing away from the ridge and up and into the clouds so I could spiral down, breaking through the mist like a superhero. Daily doses of vitamin G are necessary and plentiful. Chris and I 
would fly right next to each other and head south down along the ridge. About a mile from launch, there is a hawk that guards his domain. He dives at our gliders, screeching and swooping. We try to pass his zone without tormenting him too much and without his claws slicing our wings open. Past the hawk, the ridge shallows for a few hundred meters before a rocking outcropping for a rocky outcropping juts up to the end of the rim. We scratch together over the rocky cliffs before turning back and heading north towards launch. We get thirsty and land. We drink water and launch. We push out and do big wingovers and spirals. We get bored and land. We get bored and launch. We get hungry and land. We eat and launch. This is the way you fly here, whenever and however you want. One day, towards the end of our stay, we ventured 10 kilometers north to a nearby Waga soaring site in Aglu, where a 15-meter-tall limestone sea cliff was being swept by consistent coastal wind. The local Berber fishermen have carved dwellings into this limestone. They make concrete patios and paint the doors bright colors. Their nets wait outside to be used. I swooped concrete patios and swooped. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I swooped and swooped, looking down on their handcrafted homes, wondering what it was like inside and just feeling really lucky. The wind let up and set me down gently on the beach. I kited up to the car and we headed back to Lenid for a daily sunset soar. After we left our Berber family at Lenid, we stayed in Morocco for another six days. Three of those days thermaline in the Atlas Mountains, the rest soaking up the culture and getting fat on the food. All of Morocco was good to us, but it was there at Lenid that we really felt at home. The flying was just too easy and the lifestyle so relaxing. I could not recommend it anymore. Chris and I are definitely going back next year and you should come too. The end. Okay. It's pretty good. That article ran in the United States Hangglide uh, United States Hanglide and Paraglide Association magazine. And I like it. I like so let's talk about Abdair for a minute. Abdair, that Berber pilot. He has really, really good Really, really good. And he flies super low and super fast and does big tricks and has really good touch. And in the article, I kind of wrote about his five-minute flying breaks. But let me go into this a little deeper here. When I say he takes a five-minute flying break, I, li I mean literally that. He is working at the restaurant. And there are, let's say there's five people sitting there at the bar. They're drinking beers. They're ordering food. And he's waiting on them, right? Well, he, I, I literally watched him one time. He got everyone what they needed, and he said, hey, you guys are good for now? You're good? And everyone said, yeah, I'm good. He puts a cigarette in his mouth, and he lights it. He walks out the door where his paraglider is sitting there right next to the door. He steps into it, clips the harness, puts his helmet on, grabs it, walks out to launch, inflates the glider, launches, swoops the launch, 
like drags his wingtip, slides his feet, lands, does helicopters, kiting. Two minutes later, swear to God, rosettes the glider, walks back to the door, sets his glider down, put, takes his helmet off, walks right back inside, and the same cigarette that he put in his mouth is still burning between his lips. No wonder he's so damn good. Um, but that place, the Eagle's Nest, it's owned by this Belgian girl who her and her dad bought it and they revamped it. It's actually been a paragliding site for a long time. Um, but it's really good. It's super fun to fly there. And they've renovated the whole thing, have an infinity pool right there on launch. All the rooms are super nice. The food is incredible. I'm just stoked to go back. I think I'd like to spend another five nights there, six days flying. The, the coastal soaring site with the um, the houses that the fishermen dig into this, to the limestone is so cool. It's super crazy looking. Um, so yeah, we're going to go back in April. And I think the plan is um, I'd like to go to Chef Chouan, which is a city I didn't go to. They call it the Blue City. Everything's painted blue, and it's where they grow all the marijuana that provides Europe with its hashish for the last, I don't know, 100 years or something. Um, and I'd like to go there, but I'd also like to go into the Sahara Desert with the Berbers. That's one thing that we didn't do that we really wanted to, like do a camelback expedition. And the Berbers are these, like, they're the native people of Morocco. Morocco has like the Berbers and the Arabs and they speak French and Arabic and they speak a French Arabic Creole as well. Um, and the Berbers, the, the hospitality of the Berbers is incredible. The food is incredible. Apparently in the desert, they dig this little hole and they make a fire next to it and they use the sand to, make some kind of little oven effect and they cook bread right there on the sand. So lots of things, <coughs> excuse me. There's lots of things that, um, that we didn't do. Morocco's so cool. You could spend a bunch of time there traveling around and adventuring and have, uh, uh have so much stuff to do. And the other thing that we want to do is go to the Canary Islands just off to just North of the coast of Morocco and the Atlantic are the Canary Islands and, um, there's one island in particular called Reunion Island that is a mecca for acrobatics, paragliding, and paragliding in general. So next year, going to uh, going to take a group of paraglide pilots, we're going to go adventure. And if you're not a paraglide pilot, it's fine. There's lots of stuff to do. Shoot me an email, airintheair at gmail.com. Help you get your trip sorted out. Um, until next time, my friends. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. I'm doing this show for free. So, if you like it, share it. Have a great day. Keep it lit. See ya.